What's up, guys? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. We were off last week. Good to be back. Chris Avery here with you. Matt Money Smith has NFL media obligations today, so we'll see him next Thursday. In the meantime, a Beat Riders Roundtable recapping all things minicamp. A busy week before the Chargers go on summer vacation. Daniel Popper, The Athletic. Gil Manzano, Southern California News Group. Jeff Miller, LA Times. Gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. I feel like we haven't done this in a while. It's good to have you all together. It's, yeah, it is I'm, good to be back. I'm glad. I'm just glad that money's so famous that he has to go do his uh, big time stuff. And we 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 uh, schlubs can get out here. Listen, money's a money's a busy man. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on minicamp next week, though. So we'll we'll start with you guys. And if you had to break it down to like one overarching thought or takeaway believe me we're going to get into everything but but I'll start with you Gil uh, how would you summarize the last two days yeah uh, I'm glad you started with me first because uh, for me is the the newcomers seeing all the new faces together uh the the entire team like the most most of the team has been there for uh for OTAs but we got to see the full practice from uh, mandatory minicamp and just seeing Joey Bosa and Kalua Mack uh standing on opposite sides for a walkthrough was like Okay, this is real. Yeah. They actually have Khalil Mack on the team. They see Cal Van Noy, J.C. Jackson. So all the newcomers for the defense was, was what kind of stood out to me. Pop, what about you? Yeah, I think you, I think you have to start there, right? Uh, just so many new faces on this defense. It looks completely different. I know you have some holdovers, obviously, Derwin and Joey and Asante. But a lot of this defense is going to be brand new. And I think the one thing that jumped out to me is just how many guys on the defense have played for Brandon Staley before and have played in this defense before. And, you know, you, you, you see the names and you're like, okay, it's, it's a decent number. You know, I, I remember tweeting about it, you know, during free agency and, and after they, they signed, uh, you know, Morgan Fox and, and uh, Bryce Callahan. But when you see it all on the field, it's pretty jarring. Like it's a lot of guys that know this defense that have been in this defense. And I think that was a big um, motivation this off season for Brandon Staley, Tom Telesco, the, the whole group over there that put this roster together to just get some familiarity with the scheme guys that know what they're doing. Even Sebastian Joseph day, you know, up front guys that really understand the scheme, because I think that was an issue last year in terms of trying to transition with the players that they had. Yeah. It's strange because it's Brandon Staley's second year and, and his program has been established, but it's this or program. Weird... Yeah. It's, it's been established where like you have a completely overhauled defense, but like you said, Popper, it's guys who have been in his system before, guys he's familiar with. Jeff, what about you? Uh, it, it's sort of in the same vein of, of what uh, the other guy said. Is I was struck, just struck by the depth now, um, especially on defense, all those defensive backs and uh, some of the stuff they've done up front. You know, we, the, 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 name, the big names are the big names of the headlines, Khalil, J.C. Jackson, re-signing Mike Williams. We – those are big names and big headlines for a reason, but the what's not talked about as much is just the depth, the quality depth that they've added. And I think it's just, you know, everyone knows that guys are going to get hurt. The NFL happens all the time, but you know, it just as an example for people to appreciate is, you know, Michael Davis and Jerry Tillery played a ton of football for this team, you know, last season and, and Michael Davis a little bit before that Jerry, you know, played a little bit early on too, but they played a lot. And right now, those guys are depth pieces. I mean, they're rotation guys. And uh, that's really, you know, that really, I think, says a lot about not only did they add uh, some, a lot of quality, but they've, they've added a quantity, too. And they're, I think they're trying to protect against these inevitable injuries that are going to come. So if I was a fan of this team, I, I would be as excited about that as anything, because it, it seems like they've, they, you know, they, they're, they're preemptively preparing for having to deal with the uh, uh, injuries and we saw what happened last year especially in the secondary when guys got hurt and, and even up front too when guys got hurt we you know we, we all saw what happened and, and so did the coaching staff and the, the front office obviously yeah I, I just to jump in yet yeah, it's a great point from Jeff and something that really jumped out to me is what Ronaldo Hill said during his press conference that you know nobody there were guys that that weren't looking over their shoulder last year because they had they had their spots yeah and they didn't have to worry about anyone coming for it and they didn't want that to happen last year. They were Ronaldo basically explicitly said, listen, we had guys last year that weren't looking over their shoulder that should have been looking over their shoulder. And that's what we created this year is that those guys have to fight for their positions. 
They're not comfortable. And I think that's what Jeff is alluding to here with all of these guys that they brought in that, that, you know, the Jerry Tilleries and the Michael Davises of the world, they're going to have to fight for playing time, which didn't have to happen last year. They got to, they got to waltz right in there and play um, just because of the depth that was built on the roster last season. Popper, we talked about that a few weeks ago, how I, it was, it was more just a product of this is the roster that Staley and company had to work with last year. They weren't really able to make the, the drastic moves on defense that they made this off season. So you're right. Guys did not have, to look over their shoulder, they, they were established and the, the staff is just like, okay, well, we got to roll with these guys and, and hopefully they perform. Some guys did, some guys had uh, uneven seasons. And now I think that competition starting at training camp is going to be really something to watch at a lot of key positions. Gil, I want to talk to, uh, talk to you about Derwin, but, but first I was there on Monday and we did this one hour streaming show on CBS News Los Angeles. If you go to cbsla.com, you can watch it. It was fun. We, we had Staley, we had Telesco, uh, Keenan, Austin, uh, Asante Samuel Jr. We walked around the, the photo booth and just talked to random guys, Braden Pahoko, Trey P- Pipkins walking around. So it, it was a lot of fun to see all these new faces, Khalil Mack rolling out in, in powder blue for the first time. Um, but, you know, I, I see Derwin, man, and it's just you're automatically gravitated towards him anyway. But with that number three on, it, he just looks like a, he looks like Florida State Derwin again. And it, it was announced that he had offseason surgery. They're going to take their time, be cautious with him. But, but Gil, he should be ready to go for training camp. Yeah, uh, we were all caught off guard when we heard that he had offseason surgery. I'm looking at Jeff. I'm looking at Popper. When did that happen? Did I, did I, did I miss this? Am I not doing my job? Did I forget? Uh, but, yes, it was kind of new. Well, not new, but new for us. Uh, surgery happened in February after, after the Pro Bowl. Um, and, and we're not really sure when it happened, but, you know, he, he separated his shoulder in that KC game ba- way back in week three. So it was from that point, that kind of tells you the toughness of Derwin James. Absolutely. Uh, and the way he plays. But you're, you're right, Chris. It kind of feels like a different Derwin James with the number three. Uh, we, we had our photographer for the OC register come out, and I'm like, get a picture of Derwin in the number three. That's different. I, I need that picture. So uh, it feels different. And But it's the same old Derwin, the leader out there. You're seeing him guiding guys like J.C. Jackson. Um, you know, we were asking about the contract, or I guess I was, and he said, I don't care about the contract. I care about getting these guys up to speed, uh, JC, Bryce Callahan, Kyle Noy. So that leadership for this new defense is going to be vital uh, for, the, for the season. You know, Jeff, another wrinkle to what we were talking about with the depth on defense and in the pieces, Derwin didn't necessarily have the supporting cast around him to do everything that Derwin James does. And, you know, when, when Gus Bradley was here, I go back to like 2018, 2019, there was a specific way of defense that they wanted to teach a play to build around Derwin. Now, when you bring in uh, JC Jackson and Khalil Mack and Kyle Van Noy, uh, Staley said it multiple times this offseason, they've really equipped this defense to allow Derwin to just play free and do what he does. Yeah. And, you know, we saw what he did last year and how great he was. And just imagine now if they take that up a notch which is what they're trying to do by being able to, to utilize him in even more effective ways. And uh, I think, you know, and it, it struck me when they drafted JT Woods and, and that was the one thing that they talked about, Staley talked about was this guy can play, we, we hope this guy can play the deep part of the field. And now that, you know, now we, Derwin can move around even more. So, you know, we saw, you know, early on with Derwin is his all pro season. I remember that year, it, there were a few games he wore yellow cleats. And I remember that helped me because I could figure out where he was easily. <laughs> Otherwise there were times. He did it strictly the, for you, Jeff. <laughs> there, there were plenty of games where like the, the defense is out there and the offense has come to the line of scrimmage. I'm trying to figure out where he is because I want to see what he's going to do. And, you know, we've seen some of that, but I think it, it, to me, it, it seemed like that year he did a ton of that and we saw how great he was. So, you know, the idea of being able to unleash him even more and exploit his skills even more is got to be very exciting. And it, if you're, uh, you know, in the, on that coaching staff, you got to be thinking, man, if, he, if everybody can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy, uh, it, it, it's there's just so much this guy can do. I mean, you, and everyone knows that you look at all these lists that people put out, he's always at the top among the best safeties. And um, I, I just hope for his sake, he's such a good guy. He's so good with us and so good with the fans. I, for his sake, I hope it, it all works out for him. He's able to, 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 to stay healthy and be out there because it, it will be special to, to see what he can do in a defense that uh, has, has the pieces that this defense has right now. 
The yellow uh-huh. cleat situation was before I was in the press box. Now Jeff just That's turns true. to me and yells at me, what, what's going on out there? <laughs> that is true. That's 100% true. It was, uh, yeah, I, I could just turn to other people now. But yes, that yeah. was, uh, I, I love the, the optical uh, assistance that Derwin gave yeah. me that year. That was sure. just a single digit, you know, and so that, that should help. And then, you know, Popper, I think you take away the position of safety. Like, Derwin is so valuable to this team. He's not just the safety man. He is like this positionless player that is really going to make all things go for Brandon Staley. Yeah. Well, he played five positions last year and I did a film breakdown of all the different positions he was playing. You can go check that out at the athletic plug. I don't have my mug today. I have a different mug, but go check that out. Yeah. So five different positions. He played both safety spots. He played in the slot as a nickel corner. He played dimebacker, which is basically like a safety hybrid safety line linebacker hybrid in, in six DB packages. And then he also played this X position, which was like some, um, you know, hybrid edge rusher position where he'd come off the edge and, and get after the quarterback. They had a plan heading into the season to, to play Derwin all over the field. But I think the attrition that they had in the secondary really prevented them from doing that. I mean, you go back to that first game against Washington and they had a plan where they were going to, you know, basically switch Chris Harris and Derwin James. So that if they wanted Derwin Closer to the line of scrimmage, they'd bring Chris Harris back and put him at safety, and then move Derwin and put him up at slot corner. And they did that in the Washington game, but then Chris Harris got hurt, and that started this cascading effect where Chris Harris was out of the lineup, and then Michael Davis got hurt, and then Asante Samuel Jr. had multiple concussions, and so you had all these different pieces coming. And there was a period of time where they weren't even playing dime packages with six defensive backs because they just didn't have enough bodies. They did like literally did not have enough defensive backs to put six defensive backs in the game. And then Alohi Gilman had the quad injury. And so you had all these issues. And so they couldn't move Derwin around. They didn't have enough players and they didn't have the, the capability in the back end to defend the deep part of the field. So they put Derwin where they needed him most, which was at safety. Um, you know, I think towards the end of the season, when guys started to get healthy, you saw him moving around more, but that is the thought process behind bringing in all of this depth in the secondary is if, if we can weather injuries, that means we can continue to use Derwin the way that we want to, as opposed to the way that we, that we need to, um, by necessity. And I think that's, that's logic there. And I think we're gonna be able to see him. We're gonna be able to see the vision expressed fully this season because they have the depth that even if they do suffer a few injuries, like they did last year, Derwin can continue to, to play in that plan that they have for him. I was joking with our manager of photography, Ty, now because, you know, Derwin's wearing three now. And uh, Dean Leonard, the rookie's wearing 33. And, and Ty, I guess, I think he told Dean, he's like, you can have a lot of people at SoFi Stadium with your jersey on team. <laughs> be a lot of 33s in, in, in the crowd, you know? <laughs> yeah, interesting. A bold choice from him. But he, he's he's actually been balling out in in, uh, in minicamp. He's, he has like four pass breakups at, awesome. from, from my count. So, yeah, he's looking pretty good. So he's, he's repping the 33 right now. Popper, you had a tweet, and it was just very simple. It was just a, a, a couple words from Justin. I need football. And it, and it blew up. And Gil, you wrote, I, wrote I, I read everything you guys wrote today. And Gil, your, your story was basically like Justin's vacation is happening right now at, at minicamp. Um, that was probably the biggest takeaway from Justin. Gil, anything else? Yeah, you know, I felt kind of silly writing about it, that this guy likes football, this guy cares. Uh, but then I started thinking about it, like, you know, people like to read Justin Herbert's stories, but the, the the more important part was like, you know, this is why he succeeded so well in the NFL for his first two years, because he actually really, really cares about football and he needs it. Uh, he's watching film, I, 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 I'm guessing like six hours a day, he's doing it on vacations and uh, he just loves being around the team. So that preparation kind of tells you how he was so ready for a week two game against the Chiefs uh, with five minutes notice. So uh, it was kind of that was my biggest takeaway. I know Justin's not not the most talkative. He doesn't like to you know share too much of his personal life, but it just shows you that this guy really cares about football. He needs it. Uh, he didn't get as far as saying that. You know what? I don't know what I'll do without it. But uh, just seeing that side of how he kind of prepares to, to watch film and how much he cares was interesting uh, uh, for me. And then just getting, getting to know him because sometimes we are just asking him a bunch of questions about football. But now I was like. So what do you do in your free time? And he kind of revealed that side. It was what I thought a lot about football. So, uh, <laughs> but for him, it's a, you know, it's a big gear. So maybe, you know, taking some time off is okay. People are calling him the, you know, maybe the MVP, their Super Bowl hype. So maybe getting some time away before a big gear is okay. Popper, uh, I think it was you who asked uh, about the football 202 stuff. And yeah. I thought it was pretty interesting. He, he kind of went into the, the cadence and, and some of the things he's been working on to kind of take that next level in Joe Lombardi's offense. 
Yeah, it, it was a great Justin press conference. I feel like I actually was able to like learn something about him. Um, and I don't know if that's him just opening up or if we were just on our game and asking great questions. I'd like to think it's a little bit of both. But um, yeah, the, the football 202 thing really jumped out to me because I, like he, it really seems like to me that he's just scratching the surface of, of what he can do. It feels like as a rookie, he was thrown in there and he was just trying to do his best. And what his best was, was, you know, one of the greatest rookie seasons we've ever seen. And that's just his, his physical capabilities taking control. And then he learned a new scheme heading into year two. It was a lot. It's really complex. I mean, he told me when I talked to him during training camp last year, that it felt like he was drowning initially. It took him a lot of time to really start grasping it, but now he's moving on to really mastering the offense, mastering the finer details of the offense. Things like, you know, he's saying that last year he's in there. He's like, all right, we're going on one clap. Let's get out of the huddle. Now it's like, okay, I can, I can use my cadence to potentially draw off sides. He's starting to operate on a different level, the same level that guys like Aaron Rodgers, like Drew Brees did, like Tom Brady does, like all of these great quarterbacks do. He has that capacity mentally. Like he can do those things because he's incredibly intelligent and has a high football IQ, but he hasn't been doing those things. So what does it look like when Justin Herbert with his physical tools is operating mentally the way some of these great processors in the history of football. I don't know what it looks like. It might look like an MP season. Like I, I really feel like with the way he's talking about how he's mastering things and the things that he's moving on to in terms of football 202, like we're going to see an even better version of Justin Herbert. And, and, you know, I know the cliche is like the sky is the limit, but that's, that really feels like the reality for Justin Herbert. Like I, I don't think anyone would be smart to put a cap on what he can achieve and, and the things that he can do on a football field. Jeff, we've talked so much about, uh, you know, the Chargers potentially drafting a, a wide receiver uh, this offseason. It didn't happen. And uh, Justin was quick to praise Joshua Palmer and the, the steps he's taken in year two. You guys wrote about the fact that uh, Brandon Staley singled out Jalen Guyton and Nazir Adderley is maybe the, the two guys who showed a lot of improvement, maybe under the radar guys. Um, the fact that Justin, we know the, the chemistry and the confidence that he has with Keenan and Mike and Austin out of the backfield, but yet in Gerald Everett, yet in uh, an improved Jalen Guyton and Joshua Palmer in year two. Um, I, I don't think there's any reason to, to not think Justin can take another leap, just A, because of his sheer talent and B, because of the confidence he has in his weapons. Sure, a absolutely. Uh you know, I think I think when you know Pop asked a question yesterday, I, I was trying to think of a the same kind of idea of, of that sort of deeper dive into the offense. And my, I was thinking of sort of asking him, what will that look like? Like, what will what will we see? What what's a deeper dive version of of Justin Herbert in this offense? And I think, like Daniel said, it's you know, I mean. We, we don't know what that looks like necessarily, but we, you know, we could guess, you know, when, like all those names of the quarterbacks that Pop mentioned, those guys who are on their way to the hall of fame, you know, he, he there's no reason to not believe that it'll look just like that. Another version of that same thing, because we know what he can We know his skills, you know, physical skills. And now he gets deeper mentally into it. You know, it, it's going to be one of those situations where he, he's going to come to the line of scrimmage. He's going to know exactly what the defense is doing you know, the moment they know what they're doing. And I mean, that, and that idea, you know, that's a pretty dangerous uh, combination when you have that kind of mental capacity and you have a guy getting in, you know, kind of taking it to the next gear mentally when we know what he can do physically. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, Daniel's right there. It would be crazy to think, okay, this guy, this is about as good as this guy can do. I mean, right now sitting here, he's going into his third season it's not ridiculous to think that we're, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing a guy who's going to end up being one of the best to ever play the position. Gil, how motivating, yeah. how, how motivating do you think it is for, for Justin's weapons to, you see Justin at all the OTAs, you see the leaps and what he's trying to accomplish each and every day on the field um, for, for guys like Keenan and Mike, obviously they were there for the OTAs, but for Joshua, for Jalen, for Gerald Everett, they know the opportunity that they have in terms of, you know, having a great career, maybe getting a contract extension down the line because of Justin Herbert. Yeah, he's going to make players better. And then not just on offense, guys on defense want to come over to the charge because they know what's going to happen on offense with number 10, uh, slinging the ball down the field. So, yeah, you know, I know the offense didn't change too much, but those young guys, like you mentioned, Joshua Palmer, who has shown that he has, you know, a similar work, work, work ethic to uh, Justin Herbert, 
he could take another step forward in year two. And, and Justin Herman was talking about building that trust with his wide receivers and Joshua Palmer. And it's funny because Justin stopped him and said, you know, I hope they trust me. I'm not sure they trust me. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they trust you, Justin. You're, you're really good. Uh, just that, that just shows you that he wants to make sure he has it right, the chemistry down. But guys like Gerald Everett, uh, you, you want to see that tight end position do a little more this year. Uh, but overall, the wide receivers, you know, are still very, you know, talented with Mike Williams and Keen Allen. But you want to see that step, you know, take that step forward from Jalen Guyton and Joshua Palmer. And then, like you mentioned, Chris, uh, Brandon Staley singled out Jalen Guyton a year ago. I'm sorry, a week ago. I'm already trying to flash forward. Uh, <laughs> but it's going to be a big year for Jalen Guyton because everybody wants to see Justin Herbert sling the rock down the field at a fast pace, go vertical. And Jalen Guyton has his speed. So, Guys like Palmer and Gaddy wanting to step up, and I think you know they, they probably will do that with the connection they have with Justin Herbert. Jeff, is there somebody in your Zoom that would like to speak in your window? Uh, I have a, a couple of pets that are not getting along right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, hopefully, you didn't hear that screaming. Uh, but I have I have an el an elderly cat and a younger cat, and the younger cat has not figured out that the elderly cat can't see it, and <laughs> sometimes they they get dangerously close to each other and. Uh, so that anyway, I apologize. For oh, it's some no domestic. Uh, it's a, it's a, a subplot to, to watch. It's a subplot to watch as we continue this roundtable. Uh, Popper, uh, Austin Eckler spoke for about 15 minutes. Uh, first time seeing him in a while. And what I thought was most interesting, he, he had a lot to say, but he basically said, come at me. Like, like I got the number one spot who wants some of my carries? And it, it was almost like a, a challenge to both Roundtree and Kelly. And then Isaiah Spiller, the rookie coming in. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to late July to see this running back competition. And, and I just wonder if, if Isaiah Spiller can quickly kind of take a stranglehold of that second spot. Yeah. I mean, Austin has said pretty much as explicitly as any NFL player is going to say, Hey, I need help. Yeah. Dude. Like I need help. I mean, you're, you're never going to hear he's, it. He's, yeah. he's the rare, he's the rare back who says, I don't want as many, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, he's, you know, obviously he's in peak physical condition. He's a workout freak, but he's not like a particularly big guy. And when he goes out there and he gets hit, like it, it is violent and that you can only do that for so long and play as much as he was playing last year. Like that's not sustainable. He knows it's not sustainable. And he has said explicitly, like, I need help. Somebody step up. And I think it's getting to a point where he's like, I, you know, I have to motivate these guys, you know, I have to come out here and be like, let's go like somebody step up, you know, whether it's Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree or Isaiah Spiller, somebody needs to take this job and run with it. You have an opportunity here to make yourself some money and create opportunity for yourself, which I think is a really interesting way that Austin explains this to young players like, hey, yeah, you can go score touchdowns and get this notoriety in the NFL, but the opportunities that this platform can give you to create a life for yourself after football is also should also be part of your calculus here. Um, and so the, that's really what jumped out to me is like Austin's ready for somebody to step up and he knows that if he has another season, like he did last year in terms of um, you know, how much he's playing, it's going to do a real toll on his body. And, and, and he knows as well that it's going to do a toll on what the team can accomplish as well. Cause he needs to be fresh and on the field. So that, that's really what jumped out to me. And then I think that the way that Austin talks about, everything. It's just, it's very thoughtful and very interesting. And I really appreciate that from him and the way he talked about, you know, why he wasn't there at OTAs. Like, I think the way he viewed it is really, really interesting to me that like, I give myself to the NFL, everything I have, I give to the NFL for seven months out of the year. So for a few months when I'm in the off season, I need to take everything I can from the NFL. Like that's a really fascinating way to look at it. And I think that any fan that was upset that Austin didn't show up to OTAs when they see his explanation for why he's doing the things that he's doing, you have to at least respect it because he's obviously thought it through and he's obviously doing everything that he can to, to set himself up for success after football, which is something that's really important for, for a lot of these guys. Yeah. You know, he was, and he was blunt too. I think somebody asked him about Zion. I don't know if, if it was one of you guys. Oh yeah, that was me. Yeah. He's like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't really have an opinion of, of, of him yet. Well, we'll see, but you know, he he's, he's basically, it really established himself. It's just amazing. Like I, I started covering this team in 2017 when he was uh, trying to make the, the 53 men roster as a special teamer against the Niners in, in the last preseason game. And, and to see the type of player and leader and, and uh, really one of the premier players on offense has been pretty remarkable. Uh, Isaiah Spiller to me, man, he just looks the part. Like I was up in the, in the photo booth as when he was getting his uh, all his pictures taken He's a big back and, you know, Austin said he's been, he's been vocal in the, in the meeting rooms. 
I, I look at that guy, man, and I say, I, I have a feeling that this may be the player the Chargers have been hoping uh, was on this roster the last few years. You know, and, and, you know, I think guys have had flashes. I think Justin Jackson certainly had flashes, but it's all about kind of being healthy and, and, and available, and, and hopefully Spiller or Gill can accomplish that. Yeah, you know, they, they drafted him for a reason, to come help out Austin Eckler. And, you know, I go back to uh, Tom Telesco's uh, presser after they drafted uh, Isaiah Spiller. They don't want him to be – the the spell back to you know give a uh, Austin a breather. They want to be out there and compete and be you know potentially a number one running back. You know, uh, the, the more backs you have, the better, especially nowadays in the NFL. So yeah, Isaiah look, looks apart and not just kind of being in the big body back. He could be an all around running back. He, he could catch out the backfield too. He showed at yeah. Texas A and M, uh, and to play in that uh that system with Jimbo Fisher, that kind of shows you. And Brandon mentioned that too. When you could play in that system and in, in college, you could do it in the NFL. So uh, there's high hopes for Isaiah Spiller. Uh, and for the Chargers, they're hoping third time's a charm because they, they, they have some ha- uh, hacks at it with uh, Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree. It hasn't worked out, uh, but they need it. And like Popper was saying, uh, you know, Austin Eckler is pretty much, you know, begging, pleading after somebody help him out. Uh, and they're hoping that Isaiah Spiller could be that guy. Jeff, I, I almost look at him as a as a missing link to a well-rounded offense. And Pop, I think you've said this before, and I agree with you. Like, you know, why would you want to take the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands? It, it, more times than not, you don't want to. But when you're protecting a lead late in games, if you want to chew the clock, um, you need a guy that's going to help you ice games and uh, guys who are going to, you know, like you, like Austin wants, he, he wants a, a breather every now and again, Jeff, I almost feel like if they can get that and then we'll get into right tackle next, but, but if they can get that out of a running back too, that's just, that could be the difference between night and nine, eight and 11 and six or whatever it is now 17 games 11 and six 12 and five oh absolutely and um you know we, we've talked about that depth and it, it doesn't it's it extends throughout the entire roster and if they had a guy you know who knows maybe you know they they pick up uh that fourth uh that fourth and one against the raiders uh in week 17 or week 18 game yeah. 17 last year if if Austin's a little better rested or if he hadn't had a, as many touches, I mean, you, you don't want to be too dramatic about it, but I mean, literally that's, that's the margins of the NFL or they're, they're that thin. So, you know, any help that they can give Austin, it can only help, you know, down the road and, and, and can only, you know, later in the season can be as, as, as important as it is at the time it's actually happening. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, we'll see. It's hard to tell just so fans are clear of this. They, these guys aren't in pads right exactly. now through, yeah. through minicamp. So it's it's hard to tell. They all look good. You know, and, uh, you know, Staley always says, you know, well, the, the real football is when the pads come on. So we'll see a little more in training camp uh, how Spiller looks. But, uh, yeah, I think they're, you know, like like Gil said, maybe the third time is going to be the one they, they hit on. And, uh uh, he he does certainly look the part. He's got a baby face, but the rest of him looks like an NFL player. So um, we'll see. It, it, it certainly would be a, a major boost, though, if they could uh, they could find that the solid number two. You know, Khalil Mack. Uh, we talked to him on Monday, and I asked him about Rashawn Slater and you know what it's like to kind of share the field with him. And he said, you know what. I just, I got to wait till the pads come on to really get a full assessment. And, and that's, I think that's true for most positions now. Like we'll see what, what's really going on in late July when the pads come on and Popper, I'll, I'll just say this and, and kind of, you can take it from here. Just, this is just an observation and obviously it's not on the field, but like I'm, I'm walking around and I see Trey Pipkins walk by and he looks like a different guy to me. Like he, he, he looks stronger, um, he, he talked about the fact that he's been working out with uh, Rashawn and O'Day in Dallas with Duke Mannyweather, and he's going back there after minicamp. And, and I just wonder, like, you know, we, we, we think of Trey, you know, a few years ago, he was a, a small school kid, third round pick. And I, I almost feel like th- this could be his year. I, I feel like this could be his opportunity and he really has to seize it. But I, I think Chargers fans may be pleasantly surprised by what they see at right tackle. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I do have something coming on this exact topic, so I'm not going to get too much into okay. the, the details here. So I would, I would suggest everyone just stay tuned to The Athletic. Um, but what I can say is he has filled into his body. He's got a full beard, right? Like he's a, he's a man now. Yeah. You know, he's he, like when he first got here, I remember, and I mentioned this to him when I was talking to him. I remember in 2019, I was in the locker room 
talking to Trey when we, we still, this is pre COVID when we were still, it feels like forever ago when we were allowed in the locker room and I was talking to him about just like some details of offensive line play and vertical sets versus horizontal sets and what he was working on. Cause at that point he was, he sort of got thrown into the action in 2019 because of injuries and a lack of depth in the offensive line. He probably played a little bit earlier than he should have um, just the difference in his, in his body between then and now, you know, like he is, he is a full grown man at this point. And, you know, he spent this whole off season working on like the details of the position and that's what matters. He was down in Texas with Duke Manyweather, working with Rashawn, you know, focusing on these details, the little things that could take his athleticism and his physical tools and his measurables and turn them into consistent tackle play. And, you know, I, I go back to that Chiefs game last year, and, and Chris, you, me, and Money have talked about this. Like, he played really, really well in that game. And and I went back and, re- and watched the tape again because I did a film review on that game. Like, he was excellent in that game. As a pass protector, as a run blocker, he played well again a few weeks later against the Broncos in Week 17. So, like, I'm with you. And especially if he spent all of this offseason really working on the details of the position, uh, particularly in pass protection, like, I feel like he can be consistent and reliable out there at right tackle. And that's, I, th- I think that's, the, that's gotta be the calculus for the chargers in terms of how they built this roster. Like they really feel like Trey can step up and be that guy. And we're, we're going to see if that's the case when, when the pads come on in July. And, and Gil, when we talked about making this a, a complete offense and getting that running back too, we also mean the right side of that line. If, if Zion is as advertised and Trey can just be consistent on the right side that that's a market improvement for this offensive line because we know what's going on on the left side. It, it's dominant. And, and Corey Lindsley's probably the best center in football, if not top two, top three. Um, but if you can get Trey to play at a starter level and Zion to just come in and do what we're expecting him to do, man, I'm talking that in, in a division where it will be decided by a game or two or three, that could be it. Yeah. You know, Trey has been on the team for four years, uh, about to be four years, and Zion is, is new. And, yeah, people are expecting a first-round pick to do well, but Zion's going to need help from guys like Trey, and obviously he's going to get it from Corey Lindsley. So uh, it does matter uh, being on that same page, that right side, and it's going to help out the Chargers in a long way. Uh, but I'm just curious to see how ha- what happens with the right tackle side because uh, it, it didn't really focus on it. They just said, hey, Storm, you had it last year, and Brandon has mentioned how they how Justin threw 5,000 yards with Storm Northern uh, protecting him at right tackle. Uh, and then they're seeing some growth from Trey Pipkins. And I think uh, uh, Trey having those good games last year, maybe bought him this opportunity to compete at the right wow. side. So uh, it's a gamble, I think. But if they really believe in their coaches and, and the way that Trey's developing and they like what they saw from Storm, then why not have, have him duke it out? But yeah, I think Zion Johnson, uh, it's a little unfair to expect him to do what, what Rashawn did a year ago. So he's going to need help from some veterans. So if somebody like Trey or Storm steps up and helps in that development, for Zion Johnson is going to go a long way. Yeah, and really the competition too, like guys like uh, like Brendan Hymas, uh, and, and this is one thing. Hey, Gil, do you have to you have to go, don't you? I got some time. We'll you got some work. time. All right, good. Uh, be, because I, I want to talk about the, some of these guys who are already on the roster, right? Like, w- I think we get so caught up talking about the new additions and single play, like Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. But what about the guys who were on this roster last year who? could turn into Pro Bowl players. I'm talking about Asante Samuel Jr. and and Nazir Adderley. Jeff, are there any other players that you feel like we haven't talked enough about that could have a really big impact on this upcoming season? I think the one guy that a lot of people are going to talk about, uh, especially once training camp arrives, is Josh Palmer. You you mentioned him earlier. I think a lot of people are anticipating him taking a big big step forward just – um, you know, we saw flashes of what he can do. And certainly he, he, he suggested last year in, in some you know, pretty significant moments that he can make plays. And when you see that in big games, like that, that last game against the Raiders, uh, it, it suggests that, yeah, this guy could be a legit, you know, NFL wide receiver for a long time. So he's the one guy I think that, uh, you're going to hear a lot about, or we'll all we'll all be asking about, and you know, one of those guys uh, who we'll be you know keeping really close watch on when training camp begins, and and the other one too. You mentioned Asante uh, Samuel Jr., who you know 
if, if he can stay healthy and stay out there, we, we know what he can do. We know his ball skills uh, and we know what a good player his dad was. Uh, he's got those genes. Uh, if he can stay out there and stay healthy, he's another guy you'd, you'd expect it's to say, take a pretty decided leap forward here in his second season. Popra, I think in number nine on defense in, in what a big five, six weeks, this is for him to be ready for training camp. And um, if, if he can be the player that I think the, this staff expects, that's just another premier type player on your defense. I mean, we, we've talked about all these, these names and Staley said, it's just names right now. Uh, they got to gel as a team, but Kenneth Murray, to me, this is a, such a big season for him starting right from jump at Jack Hammett. He's got to, he's got to get healthy. Like that's the issue here is that he, he got hurt so early last year that they never even got to experiment with him as far as like, okay, what can we do with this guy? You know, he, he has some, some athleticism, right. And, and, and he's a, he's a downhill player, you know, not particularly good in coverage. How can we mold a, a, a role for him that really fits his skill set? They never really got to do that because he was hurt yeah. from the jump. So he needs to get healthy and needs to be on the field. And then they can figure out what exactly they have with him. But I think they've prepared themselves for, for Kenneth to not be there. Like, I think that that was part of the, the process of building this roster this offseason. You know, they signed Troy Reader. They signed Kyle Van Noy. Like, they have guys that can play off-ball linebackers that if Kenneth isn't there, they're not, you know, super thin at the position. Um, so it, it's up to Kenneth Murray. Like, can he get healthy? Can he get on the field and start producing the way that, that you know, the Chargers expected him to produce when they drafted him in the first round. I think, you know, step number one is, is get on the field and, and be healthy. And then, and then if you can stay in the field, then the chargers and this defensive staff can start getting a little bit creative with how they use him and start using that, that, you know, pretty unique skill set in a way that, that they haven't previously. Yeah. I remember last year when Ronaldo Hill had his pressers and he brought up Nas Adderley a lot and how intelligent he was in the classroom and how, you know, really engaged he was, and you hear his name come up again uh, the other day with, with Brandon Staley. If if Nas can convert these interceptions, do what he did at Delaware, I mean, it, it really could be game-changing for this defense, especially when you you expect maybe JT Woods to, to have a role this year. Yeah, a reminder for my bold prediction last year, I predicted Nas Alley 10 interceptions. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> It did not happen. Oh, my real. God. Don't I, bring that up, Gil. I don't want to go I, back. I, just, I had Justin what? Jones. I think I had eight sacks yeah. with Justin Jones. I don't even remember. He'll double down Lord. this year. Double yeah. down this year. I'm not going to say 10, but you know what? He he was in right positions last year to, to yeah. make those plays. He just couldn't catch them. And maybe this year he could do it. And to Brandon Staley to give him another shout out and say, hey, Nas is doing well. I started thinking maybe I'll get, I'll get another bold prediction here, but I won't go that far <laughs> and say 10. Uh, but how about it, we start with one, Gil? Like, yeah. One? How about one? Yeah, <laughs> one? <laughs> make a play but you know what it, it, it's it's a big year for Nas you know yeah. year four they drafted JT Woods for competition uh it's kind of you know make or break so for for Brandon to say something about that for not about Nas that early on in the year that shows that he's taking this seriously he, he wants to put in the work and, and he's done well in flashes but now they want to be consistent and allow Derwin James to make plays up top and and he could handle the center field position so I'm curious for that battle JT Woods and Nas early but Nas I'll he has the edge for, for the experience, but it's a big year for him. And hopefully he proves me right a year later. Yeah. Feels like a floodgate situation, right? Like he's, he's around the ball so much and he obviously feels comfortable in the scheme. Like eventually he's going to start coming down with these interceptions. Like, it's just like, I refuse to believe that the guy forgot how to catch. Like, I will not like believe that. Like it's going to, it's going to be a floodgate situation. And once he gets his first one, I feel like they're just going to start coming in bunches. Not I, to I, use the cliche, I really but. think fans need to be pretty encouraged with the secondary because, because of the depth, right? Like, the competition, man, with, with Bryce Callahan at DB. And, you know, we talk about Michael Davis, who's played a lot of football here with the Chargers. Um, uh, JT Woods, uh, Nas Adderley, you got Alohi still. So there, there's a lot of guys that can push each other. Um, Jeff, I, I want to transition to one of my favorite things. It's a Joey Bosa press conference. They're the best. They're, they're a few better. Um, Joey and Khalil sharing the field. And um, it's, it's, something that I feel like we don't really know what to expect yet um, in terms of who's going to get doubled, uh, how these guys are going to gel. Um, what were your initial impressions of hearing both of those guys speak at minicamp? Well, they, they certainly are fans of each other, which, which uh, is understandable since they both have, have accomplished so much. And it's interesting. Joey talked about how they're very different as rushers 
So uh, this idea of maybe they can kind of learn a little bit uh, from each other about uh, about how the other guy does things, and maybe they can each expand their their own games that way. Um, the the biggest thing I think with with Khalil is just uh, you know he's at that point and he's coming off a year where he he missed a, a good chunk of the season because of a foot injury. If he can stay healthy, he he was certainly productive when he when he played last year until yeah. he got hurt. So. Uh, I think the Chargers, you know, saw that and, and are expecting. Okay, if he if he can stay healthy, there's no reason to think he won't be still. You know, uh, I, I'm not necessarily saying he's going to be an All Pro like he like he was early, but he, he certainly can be a uh, you know one of the better pass rushers in the NFL still. Uh, and, and it's it, it should be exciting. And and you look at it, and it, it's hard to see if, if he can stay if Khalil can stay out there, and they both are healthy. It's hard to imagine why it shouldn't be uh, quite a quite a combination. Uh, and we're seeing, I mean, it's not a coincidence that you saw a bunch of teams this year uh, get, get you know, who had a pass rusher, went on and got another pass rusher. We saw it all over the NFL, right? There was a run there uh, where teams were doing, were doing that. So uh, Chargers being one of them. So we all know how important that is. You got to put pressure on the quarterback and, and they, they've made that commitment. So uh it's like so many things with this team right now. It looks really good. Like the potential is definitely there. And, and if, if it comes together, there's no reason to why, you know, why to think that this, it won't be among the best in the league. Yeah. Particularly in the AFC West, when you see Randy Gregory in Denver and Chandler Jones with the Raiders and uh, Popper, when I say, I don't know what to expect. I, I, I feel like I, I always throw Darwin in the equation too, because I think Darwin's like the third best pass rusher on the team. Like, what's it going to look like? Like, are we going to see Darwin and Joey or Darwin and, and Khalil or Joey and Khalil lined up on the same side at times? Like, I, I just think there's a lot of fascinating combinations here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can get into different packages. Like, I don't know if you recall, you guys recall, you know, when Melvin Ingram was here and how they used to line Melvin Ingram up over the guard and get Joey and Melvin pretty much rushing next to each other. That was very, very successful. And now you can bet that the Chargers are going to be looking at similar things. You know, how can they move Khalil Mack around? How can they move Joey Bosa around to get them as many one-on-one matchups as possible? Like that was part of the, the thought process here is like Joey's getting doubled a ton and how can we free him up? Or, how can we free up the guy opposite him and, and, and get a guy in, in Khalil Mack who's going to win a lot of those battles? And, and one, one easy way to do that is to line them up next to each other, have one go up against the guard and one go against the tackle and isolate those two players against fantastic edge rushers. So, yeah, I mean, Brandon Staley, I think from a philosophical perspective, just wants as many chess pieces as he, as he can possibly have on defense. Guys that can be versatile move around and make plays like those are the things that are important he's added a lot of guys that do those things that can be versatile that can move around and most importantly can make plays and go get the footballs he would say right so and and you know Klomak is obviously one of those guys Derwin James is one of those guys JC Jackson is one of those guys Calvin Noe is one of those guys we can sort of go down the list guys that have had production in this league and you're going to be seeing a lot of moving parts to get guys in positions to make plays and go get the football and lining up Joey Bosa and Klomak together is one way to do that for sure Gil, week one, Raiders, Chargers, Khalil makes his uh, debut in powder blue against his former team. I know he said the other day, it's just another game. On Monday, when I asked him about it, he quoted Jay-Z. He said, you know that, that lyric where he says, live long enough to see yourself become a villain? He's like, that's kind of how it feels right now. It's like a, a full circle moment for, for Khalil. So if, if there wasn't enough intrigue, Chargers and Raiders hate each other. We know what happened week 18. The fact that he's going to make his debut at SoFi Stadium against his former team and Derek Carr, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's a perfect start to the season, Chargers, Raiders. And I think uh, Khalil was saying that, you know, I've heard these Raider fans cheer for me, so I don't care if they boo. So he's, he's yeah, heard the good it. side. He's kind of maybe intrigued to hear the other side of, uh, from it. So that's a perfect start. You could talk about all the matchups. It's definitely Devontae Adams, J.C. Jackson. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated for that. Uh, another round of Joya Bosa and Derek Carr trash talking. I like that. So uh Week one, it's going to be very intriguing at, at SoFi Stadium and, and, you know, out of the gates. Uh, so running back from that week at uh, 18 thriller. Uh, but I'm intrigued. Chris, uh, That's that was my last one because I had to head out. But I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Gil, get out of here. Appreciate you, man. Um, Popper, Jeff, I'll get you guys out of here on this. This is Brandon Staley in – in year two, um, it was fun to see those competitions uh, yesterday with uh, with Fahoko and Filer and uh, the Jugs machine and everything. He, he established the culture in year one. 
And, and I feel like it's a continuation now. There's a lot of new players, but Popper, you mentioned a, a lot of guys who are familiar with Brandon Staley. Um, how do you think Coach Staley has changed over the last year, um, knowing that th this year is a big year for this team? Popper. I, I don't know if he has changed. Yeah. Like, I don't like, I think that's one thing that you can, you can say about Brandon Staley is that he's going to be unabashedly himself. Like he believes in what he believes in and he's going to, and he's going to really pursue those beliefs. Like there's a very specific way that he thinks you can build a football team and build a culture to be successful over the long term. It starts with being a, you know, a player centric, uh, you know, culture, right? Starting with the players, focusing on the players from player health to how you use them to all of these things, listening to them, all of that kind of stuff. Like, I don't think he's changed at all. I think he's gotten some different players, right? I think he's gotten some guys that are more familiar with him and his scheme. I think they've added a lot of talent. I think he feels like the roster is at a point now where he can do what he wants to do defensively. Um, but he, he is a genuine guy and he's going to be himself and he's going to do things a specific way. And you want that kind of intention out of your head coach. Yeah, it, Jeff, I'd say this just to piggyback off that. I, I think um, being the same guy is so important in the NFL, not changing who you are in, in your belief system. And, and I feel like that's been a continuation, even, uh, you know, highs or lows. Uh, I think that the coach has an answer for everything um, and the, the consistency and getting your players to buy in and, getting to buy in right now, because I think this is the most important time. Every, every player you talk to during media day says, this is the time to bond. This is the time to gel before we get to training camp. Um, I, I think it's refreshing to see all the players really excited to play for one another. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and the players, they see the same thing we do. They see the same players, the same guys walking in that locker room now. They know exactly what this team has done. Uh, there's no, uh, you know, there's, there's no, you, you can't question the direction of this team. You know, there's a lot of teams in the NFL, you can wonder where, where, are they, where are they going? What are they doing? This team, there's no questioning where the Chargers are heading or where they're trying to go. <laughs> we don't know where they're heading exactly, but we know where they're trying to go. There's no doubt about that. And, and Staley, I, I was going to say the exact same thing that Pop said is, He's exactly the same guy, and he'll yeah. always be that guy. I don't think he's always going to be that guy because he is so one hundred percent committed and convinced that he he has a plan, and and he his plan is going to work, and he's he he knows he knows it's going to work. He knows it can work. He's seen it work, so he he is fully committed to it. And if you're a player, like you said, if you're a player on this team, you you know his passion, you feel it, you see his passion when you talk to him. And when, when he believes in something that strongly, you, as a player, you start to believe in it. I'm sure you, you, you believe what he says. You, he can point to these guys he's coached in the past and the production they've had. A lot of these guys who are now on this team who had, who've had very productive stretches of their careers in this system, playing for him, whether he was a coordinator or a position coach, they, if you're, if you're a player, you really appreciate that history. You really appreciate the, the genuine way he is. You really appreciate the fact that he is, that's who he, he's authentic. That's exactly who, yes. who he is. When he, when we meet him, we, we talk to him, at, whether it's after an OTA or whether after a game that they just lost crushing fashion or something, we saw some last year, it's the same guy. He's exactly the same. And yeah, his mood might be up or down a little bit, but he's the same guy. He has the same focus, the same intensity. And, the, and that sort of consistency is exactly what you want want from your head coach and uh, you want from your entire organization because when, when you have that consistency and when it does lead to success, now you've really got something. Yeah. Um, so th that's what he's trying to establish and, and uh, you, you know, we'll see where it goes, but it's certainly been very promising, uh, you know, through a, a little over a year that he's now been you know, at the, 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 you know, at the forefront of this team, it, it's certainly, it, there's no doubt, like I said, what direction they're, they're, they think they're heading. Yeah. And they're, they're all rowing in the same direction right now as they get the summer break guys, before I let you go, it's, it's hard to like really glean a ton from mini camp and not being in pads. You know, we didn't talk much about guys like JC Jackson or any rookies that may have stood out. Was there anything that, that, you took from the last couple of days that maybe fans should know about popper undrafted 
free agent to watch. <laughs> okay, tight, end, tight end Stone Smart out of Old Dominion. And Jeff is Virginia laughing. guy. Because every time he caught a ball, I was like, there's 48 again. There's 48 hey. again. And I counted it up. And he had like seven catches over the two days, <laughs> multiple touchdowns. He's making toe tap grabs along the sideline, diving catches in the end zone. The name alone, name alone, he should make the team. Yeah. Smart with two T's for two tutties, two right? There you go. So he's <laughs> so interesting story. Quarterback at Juco, played one season of quarterback at Old Dominion, switched to wide receiver, has never played tight end before, moves really well. He's got some size at 6'4". Chargers have a history of developing some of these like highly athletic tight ends. Case in point in, in Donald Parham, right? Hey, they, they let Steven Anderson go. They don't really have a fourth tight end on the roster. I'm telling you, stone smart. Put him in the notebooks. Write him in your in your notes pad on the on the iPhone. Name to watch. Undrafted free agent. There you go. There's your takeaway because I'm locked in even during seven on seven in mid June. There you go. Subscribe wow. the athletic. <laughs> I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna cut the tape. We'll have you on week four or week three preseason. We'll see if Stone Smart makes the team. Jeff, any anybody that uh, that caught your eye, sir? Uh, you're right. It it really is hard to tell on this stuff. Uh, but, you know, Pop mentioned Dean Leonard. You know, we saw him yeah. with some pass breakups. I mean, that's, you know, for what that's worth. But, I mean, it means something. And, I'm, and the coaches notice it. And, the, and they'll watch the tape. And, and, and he, looked, uh, he looked good that the first day of, uh, of uh, many camp, uh, the defense, the, the pass defense was tremendous. I mean, they, the offense was struggling to complete passes. Uh, for whatever that's worth. I mean, we'll, we'll see eventually. But the other thing I did notice was, you know, Gerald Everett saw a lot of him, you know, lining up in the backfield and, uh, you know, something I think we're going to see these guys do a lot of, uh, you know, they'll be able to utilize him in different, different ways, which we have not seen a, a ton of from this team in far, as far as using tight ends like that. So that was another thing I, I happened to notice. And, uh, but uh, yeah, the, I, I will admit Pop is right. The stone smart. That, he, he was impressive. He, he got on a nice little run yesterday and I'm sure he, he left minicamp thinking, hey, I can do this. You know, I got a chance to do something here. So we'll see where it goes. Stone felt good leaving Costa Mesa, ready for summer <laughs> vacation. You guys, you guys have also earned a summer vacation. Incredible coverage at The Athletic and the LA Times. Um, always appreciate you joining us. This, these are always my favorite thing, doing, doing roundtables with you guys. And we'll, uh, we'll do it again here as we get closer to training camp. That's going to do it for us. Money should be back next week. We'll get his thoughts on minicamp and, and everything off season. Uh, until next time, I'm Chris Hayre. This has been Chargers Weekly.